Welcome to the show for sinners and sufferers. My name is Cody, and we are in a series right now going through 1 Timothy. This is part 13. I'm holding up my hands like I'm going to show 13 somehow. Um, so far, we've talked about the gospel, false teachers, the church, and how we function as the household of God. Today, we're continuing this by talking about the right way to honor pastors and elders, whether they should be paid, as well as how we discipline elders who are found to be in sin. And we're doing this from reading 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 25, which says this, Let the elders who lead well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. As Paul writes in the later part of his life, it has become a pressing concern for him that the church be left in good hands, so that with the the passing of the apostles, there would still be good and faithful elders or pastors in the church to continue the spread of and defense of the true gospel. For this reason, now he specifically commends elders who lead well, especially those who who work at preaching and teaching the word. Paul says those are, are worthy of double honor. That is to say, twofold. They're worthy of two honors. And the first way that we honor elders, which Paul doesn't spell out here in, in these verses, but we know from elsewhere in Scripture, and it's kind of, the, kind of the obvious one, I think, is through reverent respect, submitting to their position as elders. In Hebrews thirteen seventeen, we were told, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Giving elders the authority in our lives to teach, guide, and correct and encourage us is actually for our own benefit. Hebrews says making this difficult would be of no advantage to us. I immediately think of a doctor, and if we're, we're ill and we go to the doctor, but we don't give them the authority to tell us what to do, to tell us what medication to take or what changes to make. We fight them at every suggestion and we ignore their advice. We can't really complain then when our illness continues. We can't say that the doctor didn't do their job when we didn't listen to them, when we didn't submit to their, um, their wisdom. Similarly, if we do not give the elders in our churches a voice into our lives, We can't complain when we remain spiritually stagnant. A faithful elder's work, we read in Ephesians 4, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, to move us to unity and faith and knowledge of the Son of God. 
to build us up and encourage us to maturity and security to withstand the winds and waves of, of life and its troubles, as well as of the false doctrines and human deceits that we're constantly bombarded with. Pastors and elders who, who lead well are a gift to the church. It's for our benefit. And in this, they're worthy of our respect and submission. And of course, I understand that the dark side of this, that that might be a hard truth for some of us. I know a lot of people who have been hurt by elders who led poorly, for whom that the idea of, of respecting and, and submitting to elders just sounds like asking to be hurt, or they, they just really can't believe there's any benefit in it. They can't see the reason why they should submit to these leaders. And I think there's a reason why Paul specifically says in this passage, it is that those elders who lead well that are worthy of this double honor. Paul has given a, a lot of instruction throughout this letter that we've, we've talked about in previous episodes about what kind of character an elder or pastor has and what kind of person is qualified for this role. But another thing we often miss today when we choose elders uh, is what is actually implicit in the title or in the name, which Paul doesn't spell out because it kind of would have been known or obvious to them. That is that the title we use, pastor, literally means shepherd. It's just a transliteration. A good pastor is a good shepherd. And we can see examples in Ezekiel 34 God speaks against the unfaithful shepherds of Israel, and he says, they're feeding themselves, but neglecting to feed the sheep. They eat the, the fat and wear the wool, but neglect to tend to the needs of the sheep. They do not strengthen the weak or heal the sick or bandage the injured. They do not bring back strays or seek the lost, but they rule with violence and cruelty. And for many people, this image of a bad shepherd, this has been their experience of pastors. And those men, we, we read in that Ezekiel passage as it continues on, and we'll see here in, in Timothy, those men will be held accountable for their abuse and for their failure to act in the position they've been given. But an elder who leads well is a, is a good shepherd. They feed the sheep, they preach God's word, and they guide us in truth. They tend to their flock's needs, they strengthen their flock, encourage them, seek their health, tend to their wounds, not being indifferent to their suffering, but seeking to comfort them. They, they bring back those who go astray and, and seek for those who are lost. And instead of being violent and cruel, they're gentle and filled with grace. This is the pastor that is worthy of double honor. They are worthy of our reverent respect and submission. Those are the people, too, that we're seeking to put in those positions. And Paul says that, that those men, those elders and pastors who, who operate in that way, they're worthy of, of double honor. That's the respect and submission, but also of an honorarium or a payment. The scripture he quotes, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. That's one of those, uh, it's sort of a saying that would have been well known, but is pretty, <laughs> pretty far removed from our context today. But this refers to the practice of using an ox to walk over grain stalks to separate the wheat from the husk. And when doing this, a farmer might be tempted to put a muzzle on the ox so they can't just, you know, bend over and start eating the wheat as they're treading on it. 
but God's people are commanded in Deuteronomy not to muzzle the ox, but to allow them to eat from their own labor. And this is a, a principle for, for God's people that Paul applies here to the church. And, and he does the same when he quotes it in 1 Corinthians 9, where he, he makes actually a much more developed case for paid ministry there saying, no soldier serves at his own expense. No one plants a vineyard without eating some of the fruit or tends to animals without drinking some milk. So a worker who sows spiritual things should be allowed some material reward. The other verse Paul quotes in this Timothy passage is, a laborer deserves his wages. And this is actually quoting uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, when he directs his disciples to receive any food or drink offered to them as earned wages for their ministry of going out to preach the kingdom and heal the sick. A pastor that exploits his congregation for profit is not a pastor. He's not a shepherd. He's a poser. That's what God called out of those pastors in Ezekiel 34, where they just sit there and they're just reaping the benefits and they don't actually tend, they don't care for people. They're just getting wealthy off of their flock. But a true pastor shepherds the flock well, who sees them grow and be served. And that, that man, that pastor is deserving of his wage. Paul is establishing here that a pastor take care, takes care of his flock and as so, we are to take care of our pastors and elders. And this is the principle at play when he says, do not admit a, a, a charge against an elder without several witnesses. It's not that no one can ever speak against an elder, that there's no accountability for, for elders. There definitely is. But we should protect our faithful leaders from false accusations that are only intended to tear them down and hurt the church. If the enemy of God's people wants to hurt the church, the quickest route is probably to go for the pastor. We've seen this time and time again with pastors that have massive moral failings that, and the whole church just collapse. An enemy of the church doesn't need to attack each individual sheep when they can just go for the shepherd and watch the sheep scatter. So as the sheep, we should be aware of this and not allow a, a pastor who's truly good to be torn down by deceits that are brought against him just to, to cause division and, to, and hurt. But at the same time, Paul says that uh, if there's evidence of an elder's continuing in sin, if, if you know there are the two witnesses or if it's obvious we can see their sin, that has to be taken seriously. Because it is such a betrayal of the role, Paul says, to rebuke them in the presence of all so that the other elders would stand in fear. That is that they would recognize, oh, there is accountability. There is consequences for my actions and the sins I do in secret will come to light and I will have to answer for them. Paul is, is very serious. He says, see the strong language he, he uses when he says, I charge you before God, Jesus, and the angels says, witness by heaven, do not show favoritism. No pastor gets off the hook for their sinful abuses because of the fruit of their ministry or because rebuking them publicly might threaten the unity of the church. A pastor in sin is to be called out publicly. There is no exception. And, you know, that might be hurtful to the church. That uh, a pastor that, that's caught in sin and called out, that's not going to, goes super well. And recognizing this, Paul says, 
we must be slow in discerning when laying hands, which is the, the means of uh, appointing elders in a congregation. Whenever elders are chosen, it, it talks about um, the apostles and the existing elders laying hands on them. We should be careful who we appoint to this position or else share in their sins. We take some responsibility for those who we give authority to, for the leaders that we platform carelessly without holding them up against the qualifications laid out earlier in this letter and elsewhere in scripture. And to a lesser extent, even if we're not appointing the elders in our church, we have responsibility to be discerning of what pastors we are promoting, whose sermons we are sharing and tweets we are retweeting and YouTube videos we are boosting through our engagement. If we promote, um, false teachers, if we give greater platform to false teachers, we do bear some responsibility for the influence of that teaching. And Paul has a kind of a bit of an aside in the middle here that seems a little bit random. And and I think the most natural explanation that is Paul speaks of purity. He's suddenly reminded that Timothy has a tendency to asceticism that he is very strict on on not drinking alcohol. And Paul just takes a little moment to say, by the way, Timothy, he basically says, lighten up for the sake of your health. You know, scripture does not command that we do not drink. It commands that we do not become drunk. And I, I think if there's any universal principle for us here, it's probably that we should not be sacrificing our health for the sake of a pietism that is not required of us. One example I can think of offhand is if you're diabetic, you maybe shouldn't be fasting for days at a time and you don't need to feel guilty about that. You're not less holy or less of a Christian for that reason. Or or likewise, I often hear of people who just completely neglect rest and they completely run themselves Reagan burn themselves out because they think they're somehow serving God better or being more holy and pious by just never resting and constantly working. But when Jesus says to die to ourselves, he means our sinful desires, not that we should literally not care for our bodies. But after this little digression, Paul ends off this section about elders saying, some people's sins are obvious while others are done in secret, only to be revealed at the final judgment. We have a responsibility when appointing, platforming, promoting elders to be discerning of the character of these men. Just because these sins are secret does not mean they're qualified for eldership. Secret sins are just as toxic, and in some cases maybe more so to the church as the blatant ones, as the sins worn on our sleeves. But as all secret things will surely be revealed, so does a good man's character shine through. And even if he is shy in his good deeds, they will become obvious. These are the men who should be entrusted to lead the church well, to to be appointed as elders that we give this double honor to. Uh, If we have to really make a case and be like, trust me, he's a good guy. Trust me, there's fruit in his ministry. That person probably shouldn't be in eldership. Well, that's all I've got for this passage. I'd love to hear your comments, questions, or snide remarks. You can leave a comment on YouTube um, or send a message on Instagram at Sinner Suffers. And I, I mean it. I really would love to hear from you. I don't just say this every episode because I'm supposed to, and it's a, like my scripted outro. I say it because it's true. But you know what else is true? Liking this video on YouTube 
or rating and reviewing the podcast version on whatever podcast platform you use, that's actually totally free and not remotely physically or mentally demanding. So you might as well just do it. And I'll see you later.